in this episode, we delve into sanctions and also look at the inflation numbers from Morocco and Cote d'Ivoire. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ruth Adong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The Key Financial. In the wake of multiple coups in West Africa at the start of this year, the regional body, the economic community of West African states, ECOWAS, imposed harsh sanctions against Mali. But countries like Sudan, Zimbabwe, Cote d'Ivoire, South Sudan, and many more have dealt with their fair share of sanctions. For many, sanctions are looked at as the toughest actions nations can take short of going to war. In today's episode, we delve into sanctions. What are they and what they mean for your country? Jordan Kinyera, an international trade lawyer and partner at Adalchi Advocates, joins us for this episode. Simply put, what are sanctions? Broadly speaking, sanctions are um, a set of measures that are taken by states, regional economic communities, such as the EU, and even the UN against the state in order to compel it to seize or to adopt a certain course of action. Now, um, the reasons for sanctions or the reasons as to why sanctions are imposed are many. Um, they include, you know, um, to avert terrorism. Um, the best example of this is um, sanctions which are levied against Al-Qaeda and Taliban in Afghanistan. Then um, sanctions also levied to avert nuclear proliferation activities. Um, basically, this, these are sanctions against states um, with nuclear development capabilities to um, stop them from developing weapons of mass destruction. Um, cases in point, you have um, sanctions against Iran and sanctions against North Korea. And then you also have sanctions that are put in place to prevent human rights violations. Um, the best example for this is um, the US. They have um, an, an, an enactment, the Global Magnitsky Act, um, which basically targets individuals who are believed to be complicit in human rights violations. And um, there's a long list of individuals there, on, um, including uh, prominent Ugandan figures. And then um, you have sanctions, you know, that are imposed to prevent the annexation of foreign territory. Um, still, you will cite Russia um, when it inv- invaded Ukraine. Um, it, the invasion is still going on anyways. Um, Russia has invaded Ukraine. It invaded um, the Crimea region and Ukraine as well. And then um, it invaded Georgia. So sanctions are placed on them, more sanctions are being imposed on them to prevent them from further annexing the territories of, of those countries and, um, well, to retreat and basically pull their troops out. Now, these ones are levied in instances of direct um, invasion by one sovereign state into another. Then you also have sanctions that are put in place to prevent deliberate destabilization of um, foreign countries or of sovereign territories. Um, still Russia in 2014, um, they were sanctioned by the EU because they were, they were supplying weapons to rebel groups within the Ukraine, within Ukraine to sort of destabilize, um, Ukraine as a sovereign nation. Who has the mandate to impose these sanctions? Regarding the mandate to impose, um, sanctions, the UN, um, the United Nations within its, um, framework and with, um, within its charter has the mandate to impose sanctions against um, member states um, that are acting out of the purview of um, international law and engaging in some of the activities that um, I uh, highlighted on earlier. 
Um, but outside the UN, um, member states and regional economic communities like the, the European Union can also impose sanctions um, against um, states that they feel you know, are aggressive or are acting out of um, the character of international law. And um, the downside or um, the, fe- the key feature of um, autonomous sanctions or unilateral sanctions is, is other countries are still at liberty to continue trading or to continue dealing or engaging with um, the sanctioned country. For example, um, you've seen um, other countries after the the EU opted not to um, buy Russia's gas and petroleum. Um, you have India that's willing to take it up. You have China that's willing to um, to to take over um, assets of uh, multinational companies that um, moved out of Russia. So they may not be the most effective in terms of enforceability. Um, for, for 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 as long as other um, nations or other entities are still willing to engage with the sanctioned country. Now, um, the types of sanctions, um, there, there are several types of sanctions. There are economic sanctions. Now, these ones are targeted to distress um, the economy of the state that has been sanctioned. Um, for example, you have um, Russia, I'm sorry, I'll just keep going back to that example because it's the most relevant at the moment. It's uh, it's part of everyone's discussion and discourse. Um, you have them being taken off the international um, banking system, the SWIFT system that enables people to transfer money from um, one country to another. Um, you have um, bans on you know um, exportation or importation of their gas and petroleum into the EU. Um, you know, so those kinds of things have a direct impact on on the economy of the state that has been sanctioned. So, um, you, you then, then issues like unemployment start cropping up, civil strife and unrest. So, those are directed towards the economy purely. They're purely economic um, economic sanctions. And then you have military sanctions. Um, these usually involve the prohibition of sale of weapons to sanctioned countries. Um, for example, South Sudan and the Central African Republic. Um, so this is taken, you know, these these sanctions are taken with a view of um, managing or quelling armed conflict. So if they don't have arms, then they can't fight. That's the logic. How effective it is, <laughs> the, the jury is still out on that. And then um, you have individual sanctions. Now these are sanctions imposed on people that are perceived to be um, at the forefront of um, the aggressive behavior or the, compl- the, the, the behavior that has been complained of. That was Jordan Kinyera, an international trade lawyer and partner at Adalci Advocates. We continue our conversation on sanctions in the next episode. A quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. The National Bank of Morocco held its benchmark interest rate at 1.5% at its March meeting, citing strong uncertainty surrounding the geopolitical developments relating to the war in Ukraine and the implications both internationally and domestically. Policymakers said the new projections show a substantial decline in the agriculture value added and some consolidation of non-agriculture activities boosted by the significant progress in the vaccination campaign, the easing of sanitary restrictions and the continuation of monetary stimulus and sector support measures. The bank revised down its 2022 growth forecast to 0.7% from an earlier 2.9%, citing a severe drought that lowered prospects for this year's cereals harvest. Meanwhile, inflation is seen as accelerating to 4.7% in 2022 from 1.4% in 2021 
driven by external pressures related to the surge of energy and food product prices before returning to 1.9% in 2023. The annual inflation rate in Morocco surged to 3.6% in February of 2022 from 3.1% in the previous month, reaching its highest point since December of 2008. Upward pressure came mostly from the prices of transport, food and non-alcoholic beverages, tobacco and miscellaneous goods and services. On a monthly basis, consumer prices were up by 0.6% after being unchanged in the previous month. Now, the annual inflation rate in Ivory Coast, or Côte d'Ivoire, is to 4.6% in February of 2022, from an over 10 and a half year high of 5.6% in January. Prices slowed down mostly for food and non-alcoholic beverages, housing and utilities, communication and furnishings. Furthermore, costs fell for health and recreation and culture on a monthly basis. Consumer prices were up 0.3% after increasing 0.2% in the previous month. The Central Bank of Kenya has officially gazetted the digital lenders' regulations, paving way for their oversight and supervision. It focuses on addressing high interest rates and ethical debt collection practices and misuse of personal data by some digital lenders. The Central Bank Governor Patrick Njoroge said the digital credit providers' regulations seeks to address public concerns given the significant growth of digital lending, particularly through mobile phones. He says the regulations will sanitize the sector prone to consumer abuse in total disregard of the country's national payment system. And a quick look at the markets. Nigerian stocks ease by 0.07%, extending the decline that started at the previous session as a majority of bank shares put up for sale failed to find buyers. Big lenders UBA and GTCO led the slide, which happened against a backdrop against a background of 64% decline in volume. The Nigerian Stock Exchange Banking Index depleted by 0.19%, the steepest fall of all the five-sector indices tracked by the bourse. The All Share Index closed 30.74 points lower at 47,251.93. Market capitalization declined to 25 0.5 trillion naira year to date the index is down 10.6 percent thank you for always waking up with us good morning africa is a product of the k financial and if you have any suggestions or you want to check out more stories visit our website that is the kfinancial.com and don't forget to subscribe you can also find us on all social media platforms at the k financial